Good morning. It is Tuesday, April 20th, and this is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus outbreak here in mid-Missouri, providing updates about the ongoing pandemic from a unique community perspective. You can catch Community Pulse live every weekday morning at 9 a.m. on KOPN. And if you happen to miss an episode, you can find it later in the day at kopn.org and on our Facebook page. Today on Community Pulse, we'll hear about the current community efforts to address the needs of the unhoused in Colombia during the coronavirus pandemic. While in theory, viruses are blind to borders of race, class, or country, in practice, this virus behaves, like many others, affecting the most vulnerable in society the hardest. And this happens not because it prefers them, but because they are more exposed and more fragile. Social distancing is a privilege that not all can afford. What this vulnerable portion of society looks like can vary from place to place, but what we are discovering in the data as this pandemic unfolds is that the vulnerability is highly intersected with race and poverty. Joining me to discuss this and more this morning is Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician, and our guest today is Michael Trapp, second ward Columbia City Council member and advocate for the local unhoused community. Good morning, Elizabeth and Michael. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much, Tim. I, that was a great introduction. Thank you. You're welcome. And thanks so much to Mike for taking time out of what I know is an, um, a hamster wheel of activity right now um, to, to spend some time talking with us. So I wanted to start with the, um, with the numbers. Worldwide, we've got 2.5 million documented cases. Uh, again, people are saying that probably 10 to 20 uh, times, uh, that's probably only t- one-tenth to one-twentieth of the cases that actually exist because of our difficulty with testing. 172,000 deaths and 668,000 people have recovered. In the United States, we are rapidly approaching a million cases, 794,000 cases as of uh, this morning, with 43,000 deaths, 72,000 recovered. In Missouri, uh, we've been, you know, not getting quite our share, which is fine with me, uh, 5,931 cases as of yesterday evening. 83% of counties in Missouri are reporting cases with 216 deaths. Boone County has 94 cases, up one from yesterday with one death. Surrounding counties, Cole County has 46 cases, Callaway County has 21 cases, Saline County, which I was saying it was Montauk County. My geography, was, Missouri geography is um, weak. Saline County is where there's the Burger Smokehouse, and they have 67 cases. And then interesting, in the Lake area, Camden County has 32, Pulaski County has 31, and that, that's not a really populated area, but it is an area that gets a lot of travel. So um, interesting things happening in Missouri. Um, but, Mike, tell us what you're doing. Tell us what the homeless community is doing for itself. Um, well, I want to be brief on that because I want to talk about your core message as much as we can because I have some facts from last night's city council meeting. But uh, we're doing exciting things. I'm calling you from Car Camp, which is our crisis assessment and referral system set up by in partnership with homeless folks, built by homeless folks, staffed by homeless folks, and they are the the chronically homeless who are proven survivors who know how to camp um, gracefully um, through our first emergency shelter and then our safe camp, and now with car camp, many of those folks have been in our movement, and they get um, symptom monitoring and understand its importance. They get disease management education, so we got our, um, we had a a tweaky uh, thermometer and a cold temperatures because we live in a drafty warehouse um, 
stymied our ability to take temps, but we have an, a better um, touchless thermometer. So we'll be doing uh, we'll be back on health monitoring. We're doing health checks for um, like city to consider uh, making a proposal to do someday. Uh, we launched that um, uh, on Monday, um, going out, um, providing some some COVID education, finding out what the needs are and, and the sanitation abilities of folks in existing camps. Um, we're doing second Saturday cleanups where we're cleaning up old dirty camps. A lot of times well-meaning citizens um, give stuff to folks who are homeless. And because when you have scarcity of resources, you think about resources all the time. And so um, folks who are unsheltered, you know, are notorious um, orders of stuff that may or may not be useful. It often gets wet and then abandoned and they just kind of move to a new camp. And that's one of the reasons why the good neighbors who live in the area um, have a negative view of folks who are homeless because of these huge messes they leave. So we are also have a safe place, uh, 2105 Paris Road, for anyone who lives in a vehicle. And so if you know anybody or you know that people live in a small camper or even a big camper or they sleep in their car or van, this is a safe, monitored place where we have bathrooms and hand-washing facilities and a supply depot, and we've got proven survivors who can give sage advice about how to navigate this world, where to find a shower, how to find resources, what resources are just spinning your wheels. And they access these services right now, so they we don't need a guidebook because they live that guidebook. And so our living guidebooks will share their lived experience. There's a group of us where we don't do background checks or vetting, but there's enough of us and we keep an eye on each other, and that structures for safety. So it's a no-barrier-to-entry program. So if you've been excluded from services because of behavior issues, because of criminal justice record, because of um, other complicated issues, we give everyone uh, a shot who presents. Um, you don't have to tell us anything besides your first name or handle and then your need, and then we help everybody. Um, so even if you're housed and just want to come out and experience life, you're welcome. We're not going to check to see if you have housing or money. If you want to bring your RV out and experience a little bit of uh, of uh, parking lot living, we do it in style. So this is, uh, you know, we are coming up with our own car camp culture, and uh, and uh, it's a it's a beautiful thing. It's I've done a lot of I've been blessed to do a lot of cool stuff in my long career, and this brings my interest in direct action politics and real politics and social services and radical anarchist organizing. It brings it all together, and uh, it's I'm the luckiest man in the world. I have all these great new friends and allies, and I have no guilt about how the world is because we're actively engaged in building the better world from the bottom up with the people with the most barriers, and uh, it's, 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 a, it's nothing short than a miracle. <clears throat> so, Mike, how can people help if people say, you know, I'm not going to, um, maybe I'm high risk, it's not my place to sure by showing up, but I have some money or some resources, um, what um, things do you need and what things do you not need and how can people help? Um, we don't need um, perishable foods. Those become difficult for us because we don't like to throw things away. Um, we are at 2105 Paris Road. Um, we accept donations and um, offers uh, from, from 9 a.m. till 9 p.m. 
Uh, we accept refugees 24 hours a day. Whenever someone arrives, um, someone will get up and greet them. Um, from 12 to 5, volunteers can present for orientation. There's also a sign-up genius. You can sign up for the health monitoring, or you can sign up for a specific shift. Sometimes it helps us know if someone's coming. I try to be here 12 to 5 every day, but I also run errands and sometimes get pulled into managing crises, and sometimes I, I run a small government. And so you can call Car Camp's number is 443-0365, um, Our specific needs right now, we need cots. Um, we got people sleeping on the floor that's difficult um, on our on-site staff. We don't have no offer of tent camping right now. So we do collect tents and provide um, tents and gear for folks who can then find a the, the best place they can, you know, and, and uh, I can't tell people to camp on other people's private land as a city council representative, but there are individuals who have done made a career out of that and will give you sage advice on where you're likely to less likely to get rousted than other places. You can go to our website at comocrisisshelter.com. There are lots of ways to support our efforts. Um, uh, through volunteers if you're low risk, through providing money if you have money, through providing things that you may not need anymore. Uh, all things being equal, we prefer used things than people going out and buying new things, especially disposables. Uh, we could use water bottles because I'm trying to get people away from drinking bottled water, and I'm trying to get the idea that tap water is great. We can refill a bottle. So refillable water bottles would help send that message. I have some obscure needs like, um, like uh, those donuts that people – with hemorrhoids set on, so we need donuts. We could use some better chairs. Um, we have a lot of people with compromised backs, and this is all staffed by folks who are homeless. Um, so um, it, it's, it's been an, an, an adventure, but uh, I've done this as both an experiment and to proof of concept that individuals who are homeless have agency, they have strength, they have abilities, and we activate all of those to provide support for our other neighbors. Well, well, I've got the mic. I, I wanted to say I followed up at last night's city council meeting, uh, Dr. Allman, about your your you're thinking about tests. We were we have the capacity to do 150 tests a day, and tests have declined because they were when they were a scarce resource, they put limitations about who could get tested, and now we have a lot more capacity to test that's being used, and we're driving this this driving through this crisis blinded. Right. And so I'm going to take up your offer to get tested. I'm going to request one of my fellows who's had a chronic cough that he get tested. I'm going to encourage everybody because I found out basically, especially if you work with high-risk people, if you think that you may have been around a lot of people and exposed, if you work in a grocery store, if you just want to know, um, Dr. Allman can explain how to get testing. But we need about 100 more people getting tested every day right now so that we can better understand the extent and scope of this disease in our community because we're going to be making decisions about how we reopen the economy and in what way. And we're going to be doing that blind and, and more blind than we need to be because this is there's blindness because you have physical damage. And this is blindness because we've closed our eyes and we're not using the testing capacity that we have. So we need 100 more people every day to get tested to have the most accurate information within those scarce testing resources. So that's the main message I wanted to get out. I love the homeless folks, but this is that they need the, this protection. The entire community needs this protection. I thank you for your work. 
Yeah, so uh, it, I have not confirmed with my contacts at, um, at the laboratory, but it sounds like you have information that is news to me that it sounds like we were previously restricting uh, testing to people with symptoms. And some people with, you know, we wanted them to have recent symptoms, we wanted them to have remarkable symptoms. Um, but, um, you know, I would love guidance from people if you know of anybody who has it um, <clears throat> about who um, health, uh, public health folks think are a priority. In my mind, it's the thing people you've talked, to, talked about, um, people who work in hospitals, people who are first responders, um, people who are in our essential services like our um, food, food chain supply. Um, even people without symptoms, it would be helpful to, to have a sense about how much asymptomatic. Especially people without symptoms. So I would think right. in order of importance, and this comes from my um, my conversation with my questions of the health department director, Stephanie right. Browning, last night. Okay. And so there she's not a doctor and can't make those decisions. They still may have those narrow parameters because sometimes if you're afraid of getting a demand for thousands, you'll limit it. But we need. But she said we would have better information if we used our full testing capacity, which is about 150 people per day. Great. And um, so I think nursing home workers yes. is number one. Then I would say um, individuals who who might have some symptoms might be number two. And then I think anyone who has lots of contact with the public. I know there's been two cases at the VA, so I think people who have a vector where there's existing cases. Um, would be, you know, if right. It's my understanding that the state is following up on known contacts. I don't know whether they're how well they're doing that. If you're in the process of of that and you feel like you should have a test and the state hasn't been able to give that to you, that would be a person that I'd be happy to test. But we also need to have that in the context of really good information. Sometimes yes. a negative test gives people a false sense of confidence when it may just be that you don't have it yet. Yes. So yeah. So um, people who want tested that you can go to <clears throat> muhealth.org, and there's a, that, there's a place on their website that will walk you through uh, access to a free telehealth visit, which will result in a physician order. It's my understanding that um, if you have symptoms of cough, shortness of breath, fever, and those are recent, that you can just show up at MU Health and the nurses there have standing orders to test people with symptoms. Um, and if you wanted to get tested through me, you would call my office, 443-7070, and my staff will walk you through the process of getting tested. Now, the information I provided came from our health department director and not through MU Health. So they still may have their um, overly strict screening um, criteria based upon two-week-old information that we need to limit this number. Because there was a huge surge of testing early on. There was, and, and we... And you know, we have limited supplies. It's amazing to me. What's limited is the swab that goes up at your nose. That's the thing that's limiting us right now. Yes. Which seems like we ought to be able to get that up. But it, once we get that up, we'll probably face another, you know, there will always there, be a rate-limiting step. There are, pre, there are precursor chemicals in the transportation medium. That's right. the biggest bottleneck from what I understand. So, And these things have to be manufactured. So where we're at is uh, testing's not going to come on in widespread with for months, so we're rationing the existing resources. Um, but we want to make sure that we get our share for Central Missouri, so that we can, um, you know, manage our process. Right. But um, yeah, so they're going to have to build swab manufacturing plants and develop swabs. They're going to have to build precursor um, chemical manufacturing, right. and those are at, in the early stages of planning at best, because. 
the and I don't like to use the phrase the government because there's a whole series of governments and different agencies within those, but none of them have this under coordination or managing this well or moving it forward quickly. Other countries have been able to ramp up because they have learned from past experience, have um, dictatorial regimes, or just more effective and more streamlined governmental processes. And uh, we're none of those three things yet. Right, and uh, Missouri has um, chronically underfunded its public health um, sector. I think that somebody recently told me that we're 50 out of 50, um, so we're you know running along in last place here about it, it, funding for public health. Even better, Dr. Allman, the federal money, the 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 no strings attached money that went to the state, the state is steading on all that and not flowing it out to the uh, representative health departments that are underfunded. So there's stimulus money from the federal government that could go to buffer those efforts, mm-hmm. and it's not because um, the governor has other priorities um, that are opaque to me. You're, you're being very diplomatic. Um, we're all <laughs> I'm a politician sometimes. Sometimes I'm a fiery prophet of the new age, and uh, sometimes I remember that I'm an elected official who might need something from that fellow one time. Right. Yes. So... Um... Well, Mike, in the in the few minutes we have left, is there anything else that you want to say to people? Can you repeat how people can get in touch with um, uh, Car Camp if they would like to support uh, efforts to um, help folks who are yeah. living outdoors? You you can reach Car Camp by phone at four four three zero three six five. You can come to Car Camp. Um, to drop off supplies, to volunteer between 12 and 5, drop off supplies between 9 and 9, um, look for the 2105 and Paris Road and the Anarchy flag. And uh, and uh, you can also go to our website and find out more information, find out how to support our efforts financially in a number of different ways in our allied organizations, and that's comocrisisshelter.com. And the other thing I would ask is that we should if I wasn't doing this, I would be hammering on the governor and the and the county judges and the sheriff to let um nonviolent prisoners free um to free people who have served more than thirty years of their sentence and are over sixty years old. They have a one percent recidivism rate but are at high risk of dying from covid we have We've seen covid ra- uh ravage other prisons um so that uh that that that's an advocacy campaign that I haven't been able to attend to that's dear to my heart. I know a number of number of my friends are incarceration in high risk categories and I I feel bad that I've not been able to do that. So you can call the governor's office or go to their information page. Um all nonviolent prisoners should be released. All prisoners who've served over thirty years um should be released. These are these are great. Um uh, I, I've been wanting to have a, a concise message to give the governor, so I will post that on my Facebook page, and I will be making calls today. Thanks so much for that guidance. Thank you, Dr. Almond, yeah. for all your work. You've been a champion in this, and history is going to shine. You on know, you. we're all just beating the, you know, beating at digging at the hole where we can reach. Um, Tim, is there anything that you need to speak about? That's all I've got for today. I just want to remind our listeners that uh, if you have questions or concerns and um, or questions for, for future episodes of Community Pulse, you can give us a call at 573-874-1139 and leave it as a message, or you can send it in an email to gm at kopn.org. We try and address the community questions. That's a big part of why we do this little project called Community Pulse. Um, I do want to thank you for coming on this morning, uh, Michael Trapp. Second Ward Columbia City Council member, and of course, 
Uh, Dr. Alleman, thank you so much. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? No, um, uh, let's see. Jenny Chadwick will be on tomorrow. We're going to be talking about uh, policy, uh, primarily lifting of uh, of stay-at-home orders and, and or relaxing of them. And um, I'm working on uh, finding someone to talk to me about the intersectionality of uh, global pandemics and race. Uh, it's especially uh, prominent in Missouri. So um, I'm always trying to, looking for voices of people. I, my preference is people who, you know, Mike is a little bit of an exception, Kip was a little bit of an exception. I want people who don't feel like they need to say the same thing that um, the party line folks are saying. So um, unmuzzled uh, guests who are knowledgeable about an issue would be welcome. If people have ideas, they could send that to me too. Great. Yep. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. That's it for today's edition of Community Pulse. Once again, our guest today was Michael Trapp, Second Ward, Columbia City Council member and advocate for the local unhoused community, and Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician. You can catch Community Pulse every weekday morning at 9 a.m. here on KOPN. And once again, if you happen to miss an episode, you can find it later in the day on our website, kopn.org, and on our Facebook page. I encourage you to check out comocrisisshelter.com and that is the site where all the organizing for the car camp that our guest Michael Trapp mentioned. Car camp is located at 2105 Paris Road in Columbia and if you need to call car camp for any reason to make a donation or if you have questions that number is 573-443-0365. Thank you so much for tuning in to Community Pulse this morning. We'll get back into our regular scheduled program with an abridged version of Background Briefing, followed by more wonderful programming you can find only here on KOPN Columbia.